0: I suppose the the question that a lot of you are having right now is, who is Carla? And uh, that's a good question, and it, it goes it goes with the um, it goes with the message. See, Carla is a is a lady I met about ten years ago. i just met her for four days on our trip to the Galapagos Island, and uh, she said something on that trip that. I probably failed in this scripture to sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and I always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the hope that is in you. So, this letter is kind of maybe something that I maybe should have said or could have said to her. So, but before we get started, and I haven't seen her since then, and I don't think anybody here probably knows her because she's from Britain, and unless Andy's got a cousin. From uh, England somewhere, that was in uh, South America for six months about ten years ago, and was in the Galapagos Island at that time. Other than that, I don't think anybody here, other than uh, the Connors who aren't here, or I don't think I've seen Sue here today. She would have met her as well. But anyway, let's uh, just have a moment of silent prayer, then we'll we'll get going here. All right. Amen. Okay, dear Carla, you may not remember me, but I met you about ten years ago on a mission trip to the Galapagos Island. On a trip to the Galapagos Island, we we sat at the same table together for meals, and I was the tall guy there. You're probably wondering why in the world is this guy writing to me after all these years. Well, it's something that you had said that stuck in my mind. You made the comment, "Religion." It's just an excuse to control the masses. Though that's not original to you, you're one person that I remember hearing that from, and I remember it sticking in my mind. I've thought long and hard on that subject, and my initial thought would be to tell you, you're wrong, but your response probably will be, we'll prove it. Well, assuming religion is just an excuse to control the masses, to me would be saying that God is not real, and that we're all a product of evolution. And with that, I strongly disagree. But I'd like to start off maybe by saying I agree with you to a certain point. Many religions are and have been used to control the masses. For example, Buddhism. Now, Buddhism, it consists of four noble truths. The first one, that life is suffering. The second one that suffering is caused by desire. The third, ceasing desire will eliminate suffering. And the fourth, you can stop desire by following the middle way. I I can see how that could be used to simply control the masses. Or Hinduism, which basically tells us that the physical world is just an illusion. And to rid suffering, we must rid ourselves of this illusion of a physical, personal existence. If you do not renounce this world of illusion, you may come back in a lower form. Once again, I can see how that maybe could be used as a method of controlling the masses. Or Islam, where Muhammad basically took the political laws that governed governed 7th century Arabian tribes, and he made them the laws of Allah, where the sheik or the chief would end up being in absolute control. And we can see that in a lot of Muslim countries today. Once again, I could see the masses being controlled that way. Or Mormonism. Where God evolved from mortal man? And if man is good enough, he too can evolve into a God? Yeah, I can see, I can see in all these religions how you could maybe make that statement. And I'm going to get back a little later to discuss Christianity a little in more in detail. But first, there's a question that has to be asked. Carla, is there a lack of evidence for the existence of God? I'm going to bring up a few points that I hope you can shed a little light on that, this question. First of all, creationism. Just how did we get here? Now, if the origin of the universe is 10 billion years or whatever, whatever is being said at this time, there's, there's a big question that has to be asked. Just where did the matter come from that created the fireball used to support the Big Bang Theory? I mean, you can't have something go, you can't have something go bang unless there's something to go bang, right? And I mean, if we look all around us, we look at the earth, we look at the sea, we look at the sky, we can see there is countless evidence of the order and the beauty and the accuracy of intelligent planning. I mean, if you look at the enormous size and the speed and the distances and the temperatures of the billions of planets and stars and their precise calculation and coordination of their weights and motions, their temperatures and speeds and their orbits, it's all done and maintained in a perfect state of harmony a few examples. You know, our location of our Earth here. We're just the perfect distance from the sun. A little closer, we'd burn up. A little farther away, we'd be too cold to support life. Or the orbit, orb, orbit, orbit, it's nearly circular. I mean, that's important. Just imagine if it wasn't circular and we went way out and was kind of oblong, there'd be some pretty cold times and some pretty hot times, wouldn't there? Well, that results in... Because it's nearly perfect, it results in constant distance and uniform temperatures. Or the moon, you know, it does a lot more than reflect light. It promote It uh, provides a strong tide, which prevents the oceans from stagnating. I mean, just think of it. they didn't have that, just, the oceans would stagnate, and it would be, it would be a disaster. Or the water ratio, where we got a quarter land and three quarters water. Now that that ratio is important because it. It provides for rain distribution throughout the world. And our atmosphere here, where it's the perfect mixture of 21% oxygen and 79% nitrogen. If our oxygen would be a little higher, you couldn't put out fires. Or a little lower, it wouldn't support life. Well I suspect none of those examples about creation would really have swayed you at all. But I just hope you will at least consider some of the perfect design that is out there in that. But if we look at creation, there's really only three possibilities, right, Carla? It was created by itself. It always existed, or it was created by a creator. And if you look at, if you really think of it through, there's really, really only one feasible solution to that whole thing. Now, with our human body, too, we see the wonders of the body temple with the heart, the brain, the eyes, the ears, the senses, The nervous system, they all speak to the evidence of an intelligent planner. Just, Carla, suppose that you took a few old metal scraps and you you threw them into an old shoebox and you shook it up, you opened it up and shazam, out comes a watch in perfect working order. Nonsense, you tell me, right? Yet, the perfect order in our bodies, the perfect order in the planets, that's done by mere chance? Design implies that there's a designer. I know, Carla, there's a question you're going to want to fire back at me. Everybody does in this situation. Where does God come from? It's a tough question, you know. Uh, As humans, we are just given a small amount of all the information out there. But God has given us enough information that we can believe and that we can have faith. And I choose to rest my head on that and take comfort in the scriptures I know that word will raise your dander up a little bit, that word scriptures. But before you say that the Bible is a fairy tale, or before you say that it's just circular reasoning, just allow me to bring up a few points to back up the Bible being what it says it is. First of all, the proof of prophecy. The Bible has predicted many things before they've happened. Example, the utter destruction of, the, of Babylon. Babylon was the home of the legendary hanging gardens, considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Appear- uh, supposedly the gates were so wide that four-horse chariots could pass side by side. Yet 200 years before its destruction, the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah both predicted of its demise. Isaiah 13.19, he said, It shall be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Isaiah 13.20, It will never be inhabited. Jeremiah 51, 26, and 62. It shall be desolate desolate forever. Today, the ruins of Babylon lie some 60 miles south of Baghdad, having never been rebuilt or, or inhabited. Another prophecy that was projected in the Bible and certainly came through was the delayed judgment of the ancient city of Tyre. Tyre was a city strongly fortified, and strategically positioned, was one that flourished for 3,000 years. Yet, because of its wickedness, the Lord foretold of its utter destruction. In Ezekiel 26, 1 through 21, it contains the prophecy of this destruction. Verse 3, it says, many nations shall be part of the destruction. And verse 12, the stones and timbers will be buried in the sea. Verse 14, even the dust shall be scraped up. And verse 19 and 20, shall never be inhabited again. Well, there were two main phases to the destruction of Tyre. The first was when the Babylonians laid siege to it. When they finally conquered the city and destroyed it, what had happened is the the inhabitants had moved all their valuables and themselves out to an island city about a half a mile out in the ocean. Well, later on, the Babylonians gave up. Alexander the Great came. And he used the ruins, and he built the road out there. He took the stones, and he took the timbers, and he buried them in the sea, just as the prophecy said. And he scraped up the dust from the ruins, and he put it on there, and he built the road, just as prophecy had said. The spade in the Bible. Now, the Bible claims to be true from the beginning to the end. Yet, it has been challenged by doubters and skeptics as to its historical accuracy for a long time. In the last 200 years, we have seen the most vigorous and sustained attacks against the authority and the integrity of the Bible. But yet at this same time, God, at the same time, we have witnessed the most dramatic vindication of the Bible, all done through the spade. Discoveries such as, re- as the key to reading the Rosetta Stone, the Moabite Stone, and fi- finding the cylinder of Nabodonus, and the Dead Sea Scrolls have all happened in the last time, in the last couple hundred years, and have vindicated what the Bible says. As Satan has turned up his attacks, God has provided further, evident, further evidence for man. Right now, there are over 24,000 manuscript copies, a portion of the New Testament in existence. But yet, Carla, the strongest evidence for the existence of the Bi- proof of the Bible, it is that the book that cannot be destroyed, Matthew 24:35, Jesus says, My words will by no means pass away, but it's certainly not been by a lack of effort from man. In A.D. 303, the emperor Diocletian, he put all the wealth and power of his empire into destroying the Bible. A death decree was issued to anyone having a copy of it. In the Middle Ages, the state church, they chained it to the walls of the church, and they chained it in a dead language. In 1750, a Frenchman named Votari, He boasted that he alone, by himself, could demolish the Bible, and he predicted through his efforts in a hundred years, the Bible would cease to exist except for a few relics left in the museums. In 1925, the American Association for the Advancement of Atheism, they set out to undermine the faith, and destroy the religion of the Bible. In 1935. Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler's goal was to destroy religion and to tear up Christianity by its root and branch, and that includes the Bible. His words, do you really believe the masses will ever be, be Christian again? Nonsense. Never again. That tale is finished. No one will ever listen to it again. Well, Carla, but one more here yet. In 1950, international communism They were the sworn enemy of the Bible, and their task was to destroy all kinds of religion and all kinds of morality. Have they been successful? Well, the Bible has broken records for book production and distribution. Today, there are more than 2,000 language translations of the Bible and growing. Millions of copies are printed every single year. It has been burned, chained, put in prison, buried alive, torn to pieces yet it has never been destroyed maybe just maybe that frenchman was wrong and jesus was right in his words in matthew 24:35 my words will by no means pass away has it been changed psalms 12:6 tells us the words of the lord are pure words like silver tried in the furnace of the earth purified seven times it's a book that speaks on numerous topics all in harmony with one theme, God's redemption of man. From the, fr- the first and highest duty of every rational being is to learn from the scriptures what is the truth, to walk in that truth, and to teach others to follow that example. I suspect, Carla, that none of the things I've told you about to this point, creation, prophecy, or the Bible itself, will have convinced you to change your position. But I have a few questions I'd like to ask you. Have you ever felt maybe that you're not the person that you want to be? Or if someone were to look into your heart, what really would they see? See, I raise these questions in an attempt to address the next issue here. It's a belief out there that man is naturally good. See, if man is good, there really is no need for a savior, and the basis of the Christian religion shouldn't exist. And, and, and yes, then it's just controlling the masses. Christ's redeeming work on the cross would really be null and void. A few scriptures to make the point of man's nature. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jeremiah 17.9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Matthew 15.19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, etc. 1 John eight. If we we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Man's flesh unfortunately is sinful and weak. There's a story that happened on 60 Minutes TV show, uh, that was actually many years ago, back when Mike Wallace was still there. He was interviewing a little Jewish man named Denur. This man had spent time in Auschwitz under the Control of the notorious mass murderer Adolf Eichmann. Eichmann had sent countless people to their death, including Deneur's family. At Eichmann's war crimes trial, Denur was asked to testify. Upon entering the courtroom, he sees Eichmann and he collapses. In the sixty minute segment, Mike Wallace asked him, What was it that made him collapse? Was it seeing the monster Eichmann? No, that wasn't it, came the reply. It was that I saw I could be exactly like him. Mike Wallace responded, like the monster who killed millions? And he ended that segment, was Eichmann Eichmann a monster or was he something more scary? Was he normal? Yes, Adolf Eichmann was under evil influences and probably severed any ties with the Holy Spirit at all and he committed crimes done by the most evil, vile people. But with all the stealing and murders and rapes and adulteries going on in this world, can we really say that people are naturally good? But God in Christ, he reconciles the world to himself by his spirit and restores in repenting mortals the image of their maker. Ephesians eight, For by grace you have been saved by faith. Carla? Religion is simply man trying to get to God, but true Christianity, not dead formalism, but life changing faith, that's God reaching down to man. Calvary shows the price that God was willing to pay to redeem man, even for the most the worst, most vilest person. Carla, that is the evidence that I would like you to consider the life-changing grace God offers man, a faith that allows man to become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Recently, the movie Unbroken came out depicting the life of Louis Zamperini. Though I didn't really, I have not seen the movie. I have some suspicions, maybe about the shortcomings in presenting Zamperini's life, but the story of his life is very moving anyway. When Japanese planes bombed Pearl Harbor, Zamperini was a 24-year-old sports legend, having competed as the youngest American in the 1936 Berlin Olympics, earning himself an eighth-place finish in the 5,000-meter run. After the Japanese declared war on the U.S., Zamparini enlisted in the U.S. Air Force and was commissioned as a bombardier on a crew of a B-24. On May 26, 1943, his crew left Hawaii on a rescue mission and never returned. Their plane crashed in the Pacific Ocean, and Zamparini and two surviving colleagues were stranded on rubber rafts with only a handful of chocolate bars and six pints of water. The first night one of the men panicked and ate all the chocolate bars. The next forty six days were brutal. Zamperini, who had never prayed before, he now begged God for water. He promised to serve him forever if only rescue would come. It did, as rain began to fall. But soon the sea would deliver more misery than they thought possible to endure. Sharks Japanese gunfire, and starvation plagued them. Finally, one of the men eventually ended up dying and had to be buried at sea. Finally, after 47 days, the two surviving men crawled on shore and surrendered to the enemy, and they were taken to Kwajagan Island, which is known as Execution Island. Here was a prison that did not have the amenities that modern prisons have. The amenities here were lice, rats, and starvation. When he wasn't being beaten or, f- or forced into hard labor, Zamperini was a test subject for Japanese medical experiments. After 43 days, he was transferred to a POW camp under the direction of Sergeant Wantanabe, named by Douglas MacArthur as one of the most wanted war criminals in Japan. Nicknamed the bird, Wantanabe tortured his prisoners with beatings and degrading acts like making them do push-ups in human waste and licking his boots. Spared from execution due to his propaganda value, Zamperini made one broadcast in exchange for rice. But when he was asked to make another second broadcast, slanted with lies, he refused. As a penalty, he was transferred to a camp 300 miles away. However awful that place might be, he thought, at least he was free of the bird. But unfortunately, a new commander, commanding officer in that camp arrived about the same time. It was the bird. Conditions soon became worse than ever. At his worst point, Zamperini was forced to hold the log over his head while standing at attention. For six months, he endured relentless abuse. And finally, the war was over. One month later, Zamperini walked out of that camp a free man. His homecoming was everything that he thought it would be. He reconciled with loved ones, he married a beautiful girl, and he started training again. But soon Zamperini began doing a different kind of running. He was running from the nightmares of his past. Thoughts of getting back and killing the bird dominated his mind and caused daily nightmares. One night, he woke up in a cold sweat with his hands around his wife's throat. Shortly thereafter, she filed for divorce his life was spiraling totally out of control. But just as God had saved him in the ocean, he was about to intervene again. Zamperini's wife attended a Billy Graham crusade and received Christ as her savior. This caused her to stop the divorce proceedings, which in turn encouraged Zamperini to attend the, the crusade. Getting up to leave in the middle of it, Zamperini heard Billy Graham say these words, when people come to the end of their ropes and there's nowhere else to turn, they turn to God. At that time, Samparini remembered all the promises that he had made to God, how God had kept his end of the bargain, but how he had failed. So he went into the prayer room, he got on his knees, and he made a confession of faith. At that time, he knew that his life was changed. He knew that he had been forgiven, and he knew that he must forgive his guards as well including the bird. With this, he found a new purpose in his life, sharing the gospel with the people of Japan. Four years later, he returned to Japan and began his mission at Sugamo Prison, where many of the guards that had beaten him were incarcerated. Recognizing the guards, he ran to each man and threw his arms around them. Zamparini preached the gospel to these men, and all except one made a profession of faith. But he wasn't finished. The man who had tortured him the most, the bird, wasn't there. The bird refused to meet him, so Zamparini sent him a letter explaining that love had replaced the hate he had for him. The name of that Hollywood movie was called Unbroken. But actually, in my opinion, the true name of his life story should have been called Broken broken by the love of Christ." Carla, nothing has changed more lives. Not all the wars in the world, all the threats and the blustering of military power, all the political speeches, the newspaper articles, or the resolutions. None of these have done more than that one deed when God and Jesus Christ went to the cross for love's sake. Your statement, religion is just an excuse to control the masses, certainly has some validity And many religions have been used that way. And in some respects, true Christianity is used that way as well. But it's not man using religion to control, but it's the Christian being broken of his human nature and under the control of the Holy Spirit. Carla, that's why Christianity offers hope. We can go what oxygen is to the lungs, hope is to the human spirit. We can go days without food. We can go hours without water, even a few minutes without air. But we can't go any time without hope. What I ask you today, Carla, is to consider the true hope offered through Christ, to let your life be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Then, too, you can find out the real purpose that God has for your life. Heavenly Father, as we end this worship service, we ask your blessing on everyone here. Grant us the wisdom and determination needed to acquire defense needed to be your witnesses. But more important than that, break us of our prideful, lazy, sinful nature, the nature that is just always getting in the way. Grant us the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit that we so desperately need so that we may look out for others as you would have us. Lord, this broken nature is the greatest evidence we can have for the hope that is in us. Break us and use us for your glory. We thank you for all that you've given us and the blessings you've granted. We pray today in the name of Jesus. Amen.